Are you sick of your current siding? Are your gutters sagging? When it's time to update your home's exterior in the Berks County, Pennsylvania area, turn to Storms Exteriors, LLC. Their siding, gutter, and deck contractors can replace your old features with sturdy new ones you can count on for years to come. Turn your house into a neighborhood showstopper. Contact Storms Exteriors, LLC now to schedule siding installation or seamless gutter services along with free estimates at 610-858-1184 or stormsexteriors.com on the web and also on Facebook, Storms Exteriors, LLC. This is Chet with Flow Racing. You're listening to the Four Wide Salute Podcast. Welcome back to another episode of the Four Wide Salute Podcast presented by Lindecker Racing Engines. Go check out Lindecker Racing Engines on Facebook. Pop in J Lindecker Racing Engines and see what it's all about. See what's going on. Going to kick off this week's episode with a correction from last week. And I do apologize. Bridgeport 602 Crate Sportsman feature was won by Howie Finch. Last week I told you that was Matt Ellery. This is why, folks, we don't use Race Monitor for official results. This is what happens. Sometimes corrections need to be made in a transponder, which Race Monitor runs off of, and it's not done necessarily right away. And there was a correction made after I had seen the results. But since then, Bridgeport did put out their short results or their quick results, and we were able to confirm that it was indeed Howie Finch that picked up the victory. On to some breaking news, not a ton. I want to start off with the Bobby East story. I'm sure a lot of you have seen this already. So Bobby East was a three-time USAC national champion in Silver Crown and Midget competition. He was a 56-time winner with USAC. Also the 2004 USAC Midget champ and the 2012-2013 Silver Crown champion. Passed away Wednesday night uh, after he was murdered. Yes, he was murdered at the age of 37 years old. From what I have read, of course, it's not an official police report here, but from what I understand and read, had a confrontation at a gas pump in Los Angeles and was then stabbed. Such an unfortunate circumstance there. Um, God, I hate doing this every week. (sighs) Maybe, Maybe soon we'll get a break of this stuff, right? But condolences going out to his friends and family, of course. And also, uh, Bob Schwenk, who is an avid dirt track racing fan in my area here between Grandview and Big Diamond. Huge Dwayne Howard fan. um, You know, was the grandfather of the current Miss Grandview Speedway and also one of my former employees at Big Diamond, Brittany Huber. He became ill last week and passed away. So um, condolence is going out to his daughter, Tracy, their granddaughter, Brittany, and the rest of the family. Other breaking news items. I found this out last Sunday night that Logan Seavey and Tom Malloy have parted ways as of last Sunday night, which we're going to get into them results from Houston's in a minute. 
Um, he did then find himself a ride for the night with Reinbold Underwood, whom he had ran for before. So we'll see what happens with CD going forward. I know he is still committed to the sprint car ride with Baldwin and, of course, his Silver Crown ride. As far as the midgets go, I don't know that he's necessarily chasing the point title. So on to our results. As I said it last Sunday night, USAC Sprints and Midgets, USAC Nationals, Houston Speedway, South Dakota 12,000 to win each division. Sprints up first, Mitchell Moles, after wrecking while leading the night before, was able to get the rebound there and pick up his first USAC Sprint win Sunday night over CJ Leary and Emerson Axum. And Robert Ballou picked up the $10,000 payday for being the USAC Nationals champion. On to your midgets, 100 lapper for them. Cannon McIntosh dominated and picked up the victory there over Shane Golubic and Logan Seavey. Seavey went 14th to 3rd and picked up the hard charger on a ride. I don't think he even knew he was going to be in when he woke up Sunday morning. And Kenny McIntosh named the USAC Nationals champion on the midget side, also collecting $10,000. Helltor, Tri-State Speedway in Indiana. Bobby Pierce picking up the win over Peyton Freeman and Joe Godsey. And Mark Lamont was your modified winner. On to Monday, XR Super Series Fever Heat 100, Stewart International Speedway in Iowa. $20,000 to win. Jonathan Davenport picking up the victory there over Tim McCready and Ryan Gustin. On to Tuesday, we'll roll right back into XR Super Series Fever Heat 100, night number two. Again, 20000 to the winner. Chris Smokey Madden picking up the victory over Bobby Pierce and Jonathan Davenport. Tuesday's Super Dirt Anthracite Assault Big Diamond Speedway 7500 to win did get postponed to Wednesday. And yes, I was happy as a pig in shit about it. I'm sure all of you have figured out by now, I was not able to make Tuesday's race, nor was my wife. We went to a concert Tuesday, and thankfully we were able to show up and work the Super Dirt Show Wednesday night. World of Outlaw Sprints on Tuesday, Ohio Logistics, Brad Doty Classic, Attica Raceway Park in Ohio, 10000 to win. Young Money Carler send your winner over Donnie Schatz and Brad Sweet. And USAC Midgets kicked off Mid-America Midget Week Red Dirt Raceway in Oklahoma. Ryan Timms, your winner over Justin Grant and Timez running out the podium. So on to Wednesday, Super Dirt, Anthracite Assault, 7,500 to win. Of course, my backyard, Big Diamond Speedway. I was impressed with the car count. Let's start there. 34 cars. We lost Rick Lawbach and Billy Pouch Jr. as the confirmed guys because of the rain date. They both went to Action Track USA in Quitstown as Lawbach's son Matthew was racing and Billy, uh, I believe, had two rides for the night there. But we did we gained Brandon Grosso and we gained... Someone else that was not originally on the confirm list. So not a bad turnout at all with 34 big blocks, considering we don't run big blocks. I 
couldn't have been happier with that. Now, our 602 crates did kind of lack a little bit there, but midweek show, they were also running Friday. Roadrunners, the same deal, so I could kind of understand that a little bit, and I'm not going to complain about the guys that did show up. But on to our feature, Matt Shepard picking up the win over Stuart Friesen and Ryan Godown, and a big attaboy to Loudon Reimert in the Greeby 33 car that he had only really ran about once, twice prior to that. No big block experience prior to maybe two weeks ago. And he went 18th to 6th against the best in the business of big block racing. And uh, yeah, definitely an attaboy to Loud Reimer. No, not a bad showing at all. A couple of our house guys had a little bad luck on their side with flats, breaking, pulling off. But it is what it is, and I'm sure I'll be back at it soon. But no, I, I was happy with how the night went. 602 crate winner ended up being Kevin Olenek. And your Roadrunner winner ended up being Mike Riker. So congratulations to them as well. Also on Wednesday, World of Outlaw Sprint, Jokers Wild, Eldora Speedway, 10,000 to win. David Gravel, your winner. Carson Macedo and Brian Brown rounded out the podium. USAC Midgets, Mid-America Midget Week, Chad McDaniel Memorial, Solomon Valley Raceway in Kansas. Team as your winner over Buddy Kofoid and Ryan Sims, rounding out the top three. Heltor, Montpelier Motor Speedway in Indiana. Bobby Pierce picking up the win over Devin Moran and Billy Moyer Jr. And Nick Hoffman back at it again with the modifieds. On to Thursday, World of Outlaw Sprints, the historical big one. Eldora Speedway, 100,000 to win. If I had to tell you the most exciting feature I've watched this year so far, whether in person, whether working, or on television, I think this had to be it. This was fantastic. So here's the post that the World of Outlaws put out after the historical big one. You had Shuhart going 16 spots, Brent Marks going 13, Brian Brown going 13, Logan Wagner went 12, Sheldon Haldenshill went 11, Macedo went 9, PPM went 9, that is a shit ton of passing, and that is what we like to see. For any of you who have not gotten a chance to watch the historical big one, go back and check it out. So many things developing in that one. It was absolutely fantastic feature. And in the end, Posse representing Brent Marks picking up 100 grand over Tyler Courtney and Rico Abreu, who rounded out the top three. Lucas Oil Late Models and Lucas Oil MLRA. First annual event, I-70 Speedway in Missouri, 10,000 to the winner. Hudson O'Neill picking up the win over Jimmy Owens and Tim McCready. Hell Tour Summer Nationals, Shady Hill Speedway in Indiana. Bobby Pierce did it again, this time over Tristan Chamberlain and Chad Finley rounding out the top three. And Mike McKinney picking up the win with the Modifieds. On to Friday night's national events, World of Outlaw Sprints, night before the Kings Royal, Eldora Speedway, 10,000 to win, was postponed to Saturday afternoon. 
and we're going to get to that in a moment. USAC Midgets, Mid-America Midget Week, Midwest Midget Championships, Jefferson County Speedway in Nebraska. Mitchell Moles picking up the win over Ryan Timms and Jerry Coons Jr. Fun fact for Mitchell Moles, from Sunday to Friday, he now picked up his first USAC non-wing sprint feature win and midgets all in the same week. He is now the first USAC driver since 1989 to win their first sprint and midget races in the same week. The last person to do it, some guy named Jeff Gordon. I think that was his name, Jeff Gordon. Crazy to think it's been 33 years since that happened. World about all eight bottles, River City Speedway, North Dakota, 10,000 to win. The Georgia Bulldog, Shane Clanton, picking up the win over Dennis Erb Jr. and Mike Parler. Luke Soil 8 Models, Napa Know How 50, Tri-City Speedway in Illinois, 12,000 to win. Hudson O'Neill going back-to-back nights, this time over Tim McCready, then Jimmy Owens. Shavers Racing Oil, Summer National Series, Beckley Motorsports Park, West Virginia, $10,053 to win. Corey Hedgecock picking up the win over Jensen Ford and Zach Mitchell. Helltor went back to Farmer City Raceway in Illinois for a rain date, and they were rained out once again. This time, I do not believe it is being rescheduled. On to our local events for Friday night, of course, kick off with Big Diamond like usual. Modified victory going to Dwayne Howard. Ultimate Late Model Series was finally able to get a show in with us. Win going to none other than the truth himself, Greg Siderly. 602 Crate Sportsman victory going to Logan Watt, his second on the year. And Alex Schofstall did it once again with the Roadrunners. Outlaw Speedway, the Dr. Denny Johnson picking up his second win in two weeks in the Modified Division. Then we have Alex Payne with the American Racer Sportsman and Zach Sabaka in the Hoosier Sportsman. Penn Can Modifieds were off. Brian Malcolm did pick up the 602 Crate Sportsman win. Albany Saratoga, Matt DiLorenzo has got to be one of the top five hottest drivers in Modifieds this year. There I said it, fight me. Picking up the win again at Albany Saratoga. Pat Jones then picked up the 602 Crate Sportsman win. Utica Rome, Stuart Friesen victorious in the Modifieds, and Matt Janzik with the 602 Crate Sportsman. US 13 ran their first race in, I think, about two months. Jordan Watson did it once again in the Modifieds, and Eric Corman got it done with the 602 Crate Sportsman. Accord saw Joe Judge pick up the modified win and Tyler Johnston, a 602 Crate Sportsman win. Afton, modified victory going to J.R. Hurlburt. And the 602 Crate Sportsman Grit Series event to Gary Smith. Matt Williamson did it once again at Ransomville in the Modifieds. And Brent Senek with the 602 Crate Sportsman. Can-Am, Tim Fuller back in victory lane with the Dirt Car 358 Modifieds and Tyler Stevenson with the Dirt Car Sportsman. Brewerton, Tim Sears Jr. picking up the Dirt Car Modified win, and Ryan Dolbear with the 602 Crate Sportsman. Williams Grove had their Randy Wolf Tribute Race, also the Outlaw Tune-Up 
for what is up to come this upcoming weekend. Lance Deweese got it done in the 410s, and I don't know how, but somehow made it all the way to Linda's Speedway to be able to help his son with his micro. That was pretty cool to see. And of course, 358s were also in the house, and none other than Andrew Locke at it once again. On to our Saturday national events, World of Outlaw Sprints. So they ran the night before the King's Royal, starting at like 11 o'clock Saturday morning. Ran that through the afternoon, so it got then turned to the day of the King's Royal, which David Gravel picked up that victory over Rico Abreu and Brad Sweet. And then they flipped it around because a new weather was coming. And they rolled off the King's Royal in a speedy fashion. And in the end, Brent Marks became the first driver to ever win the historical big one and the King's Royal in the same year. Congratulations. Walking out of there from just those two races with $275,000. Kudos. Brent Marks, now your 39th annual King's Royal winner, with Donnie Schatz picking up the runner-up spot and Carson Macedo rounding out the podium. Schaefer's Racing Oil Summer National Series, Wythe Speedway in Virginia, $10,053 to win. Dale McDowell getting it done over Corey Hedgecock and Michael Brown. World of All 8 Models, I-94 Shore Step Speedway in Minnesota, 10000 to win, was rained out. That has now been postponed to August 2nd. Lucas Oil Late Models and MLRA 16th Annual Diamond Nationals, Lucas Oil Speedway in Missouri, 15000 to win. Johnny Scott picking up the win over Jimmy Owens and Brandon Shepard. Not too bad for Johnny, considering he finished last in the feature on Thursday at I-70. Did not run on Friday. Was able to get himself back in shape here to pick up his first Lucas Oil win. USAC Midgets, Mid-America Midget Week, Midwest Midget Championships, Jefferson County Speedway once again. 10,000 to win. Buddy Kofoy picking up the victory over Jerry Coons Jr. and Zach Dom. This one is a replay to see at least the last couple of laps. Buddy Kofoid led lap for number 41 of a 40-lap feature. That was all he led. Cannon McIntosh and Ryan Timms took themselves out, which gave the lead over to Buddy, and he was able to do what you just have to do one time, and that is lead the last Hell Tour, Summer Nationals, the birthday race, Oakshade Raceway in Ohio, 10,000 to win. Devin Moran, your winner over Rusty Schlenk and Bobby Pierce. And Chad Bauer picking up the modified victory. Note on Bobby Pierce, he just posted not too long ago today. He will not be continuing running Hell Tour as he has clinched the point title already. He will head to the Silver Dollar Nationals next weekend as this will be the last time that event is run. On to our local events for Saturday, Grandview Speedway hosted URC Modifieds and Sportsmen. That did rain out. 
New Egypt, modified victory going, of course, to Brennan Gross. So I think this is number seven on the year. 602 creates sportsman victory to Steve Davis and Tommy Carberry Sr. picking up the Mass 305's win. Bridgeport was off. Orange County, big blocks and small blocks. Anthony Prego won them both again. That 44 team is now rolling. Look out. 602 creates sportsman victory going to Jared Labaugh. Fonda, Thunder on the Thruway Series, modified victory going to Stuart Friesen, and Chad Edwards in the 602 Great Sportsman. Stu was the yellow on lap number two, went to the back, and won. I'd say he's all right. Heard he's pretty good. That could show you right there why. Woodhall, Jake Jinn picking up the victory in the Modifieds once again, and Blake Lawson with the 602 Great Sportsman. Five Mile Point, PJ Goodwin picking up the Modified Victory, and Gary Smith made it two for two on the weekend with the 602 Great Sportsman. Fulton was off. Thunder Mountain, Dirt Car 358 Modified Win going to Shane Spoonhauer. Open Modified Win going to Rusty Smith. And Hunter Lapp picking up the Dirt Car Sportsman win. Lebanon Valley Speedway, big block victory for the 140th time of his career, Kenny Tremont. Small block modified victory going to Alan Huftling. And 602 great sportsman win to Tim Hartman Jr. Land of Legends victory to Justin Ayers with the big block. And Zach Sabaka, two for two on the weekend in the 602 great sportsman. Lincoln, unfortunately, got bombarded with rain and did rain out. Those are your results on to our upcoming events. Short Track Super Series North Region event on Thursday, the Richie Evans Remembered, Utica Rome Speedway up in New York, 6,100 to win. World of Outlaw Sprints Wednesday, Port Royal Speedway, 10,000 to win there. And then Friday and Saturday, Champion Racing Oil Summer Nationals, Williams Grove Speedway, 10,000 to win Friday, 20,000 to win on Saturday. All Stars Friday and Saturday, Beach Brawl, Lake Ozark Speedway in Missouri, 8,000 to win Friday, 10,000 to win Saturday. World of Outlaw Late Models run tonight. Rumble at the Red Cedar. Red Cedar Speedway in Wisconsin, 10,000 to win that one. Lucas Oil Late Models Tuesday, Husitz Speedway in South Dakota, 10,000 to win. Thursday, the Go 50 I 80 Speedway in Nebraska, 12,000 to win. Friday, Imperial Tile Silver Dollar Nationals Prelim Night. And then Saturday, Imperial Tile, Silver Dollar Nationals, IAD Speedway, also for 53000 to win. USAC Silver Crown runs Thursday, Rich Vogler Classic, Winchester Speedway in Indiana. USAC Sprints will start up 35th Annual Indiana Sprint Week on Friday, Gas City, I-69 Speedway. Saturday, they go to Kokomo. And then for the rest 
of their Indiana Sprint Week schedule. Sunday at Lawrenceburg, Monday, Circle City Raceway, Wednesday, the Don Smith Classic at Terra Hot Action Track, Thursday, on to Lincoln Park Speedway or Putnamville. Friday, Sheldon Kinzer Memorial at Bloomington. And then Saturday, Tri-State Speedway or Hobstock. That's the week after. Lucas Oil MLRA runs tonight. Second annual Wellner Nationals Randolph County Raceway in Missouri. 10000 to win that one. Schaefer's Racing Oil Summer Nationals Series. Tonight, Volunteers Speedway in Tennessee, 10053 to win. Tuesday at I-75 Raceway in Tennessee, that's 4053 to win. Thursday, Sonoy Raceway in Georgia, 4053 to win. Friday, Needmore Speedway in Georgia, 10053 to win. And then Saturday, Screven Motor Speedway in Georgia, 10053 to win. Hell Tour. Tonight, Wayne County Speedway in Ohio. Wednesday, Thunderbird Raceway in Michigan. Thursday, Butler Motor Speedway in Michigan. Friday, Tri-City Motor Speedway, Michigan. And Saturday, Merritt Speedway also in Michigan. Going back through your upcoming events, Short Track Super Series on Thursday will be on Flow. World of Outlaw Sprints always on Dirt Vision. All-Stars on Flow. World of Outlaw Late Models, Dirt Vision, Lucas Oil Late Models. Now, they have moved up their date for when they will stop showing on Mav Plus to middle of last week. They cut it off. I'm wondering if they saw a really, really big, significant number of their subscribers cancel or... They saw a big influx in viewership on Flow. I don't know how they figured that out, but they're done on Mav TV. It is all now on Flow for Lucas Oil. USAC Silver Crown and USAC Sprints, of course, on Flow. Hell Tour will be on Dirt Vision. Schaefer's Racing Oil Summer National Series and Lucas Oil MLRA. I think it depends on the track if it's on Flow or not. Check your upcoming events on Flow to verify. But... Those are your upcoming events. Those were your results. As always, thank you to all of our followers and subscribers. Like and share the podcast on Facebook and Twitter. Smash the five-star rating button on all your podcast platforms. And of course, big thank you to Kenny Bruce and Bill Brown and Company Inc. for the support. On to this week's episode. One of the hottest modified drivers in Pennsylvania at this current time. Leading Grandview points, leading Tri-Track points, currently second in Big Diamond points, the threat, Brett Cressley. Finally able to get a time and day here we can knock this thing out, and hope you guys enjoy it. And next week, we'll have another stellar episode for you guys. Stay tuned for that one. It'll be a good one, as always. And enjoy your July week. Enjoy a ton of racing going on. Go out and support your local dirt tracks. I cannot emphasize that enough. And uh, I'm going to go enjoy myself a nice steak dinner, finish this episode, and get it out to you later on tonight. So, hope you do the same. And until next time, enjoy the show. Bill Brown and Company, located in Hamilton, New Jersey, has been in the printing and promotional products business since 1946. 
Current owner and proud dirt track supporter Ken Bruce has been with the company since 1987 and has continued to deliver the customer service that Bill Brennan Company has delivered since the beginning. Kenny supports dirt track racing through the sponsorship of the number 11 modified, driven by Danny Heber, along with sponsorship of bonuses at Big Diamond Speedway and the Short Track Super Series, and is proud to be a sponsor of the Four Wide Salute podcast. You can reach Bill Brown and Company at 609-586-1408 or by email at kbruce at billbrowninc.com. You can also check out the promotional products on the website at www.billbrowninc.com. On this week's episode of the Four Wide Sloop Podcast, I have with me your current Tri-Track Series point leader, Mr. Brett Cressley. Brett, uh, let's kick it off, man. Tomorrow's Super Dirt, Anthracite Assault. You uh, ready for the big blocks tomorrow? Uh, hopefully. I mean, we've been wrenching on it for a little while now, a couple weeks to get a shock package together and, and do a little bit of homework. So figured go to a track that we're at least familiar with and maybe have just a hair of an advantage. Yeah, I, I'm definitely considering you one of the guys to watch out for due to the home track advantage. You've watched the track take shape over the course of the last how many years with the new clay. Um, and you're definitely one of the fastest cars we see on a weekly basis. So I think that's going to play in your favor. Yeah, that, that was kind of what we were thinking, too. So we had the car sitting here waiting to race it and figured now's better time than ever. We have a little momentum. Yeah, big diamond in Grandview, so good time to you know break it out of the box and and see what we can do. Yeah, so speaking of uh, the big block and running Hoosiers, I think you caught everyone off guard earlier this year with your shirt that had Hoosiers on the car. Was there a plan to go run something else with that car originally? Not necessarily. No, I I plan on hitting some of the dirt series stuff eventually. Um, the coil stuff is so tricky. I didn't feel like I wanted to even get it out until I knew a little bit more, you know, and was up on my game a little bit with the coil deal. So I didn't know when and where, but I knew for at some point we'd bring it out of the box. It was uh, it was funny when the when the shirt came out, you had everyone going, man. People thought you were running the tour. People thought you were going to Volusia. <laughs> yeah, it was just we pictured that car, you know, it was the first one with that scheme and it was already finished. So we just used that one to, uh, do the photo shoot with. And that's kind of how the, the whole Hoosier thing came about. It wasn't necessarily <laughs> just like anybody out, just the way it fell, but it definitely created a little bit of buzz. Oh, it definitely did. I mean, Hey, what better way to start your season? You know what I mean? If you're not going to decide to start in January, like some of these crazy guys are, what better way to start with some, uh, and everyone's brain rumbling. It was pretty funny. Um, but no, you know, you mentioned momentum, man. Here, uh, I think you have the most momentum currently with the spec deal between Grandview and Diamond on a weekly basis. You know, you just managed to figure this stuff out pretty good so far this year. What do you think attributes to that? Uh, just years of experience at this point now and and getting the right people on board with the program and just me progressing as a driver maybe or you know keeping my head on a little straighter and the cars have all, always been fast it's just we had the pieces of the puzzle we just had to put them at the right spot so they're finally all i think getting 
getting into the right spots. They're not all there yet, but we're getting closer every year, I would think. Yeah, and if that's and you know if you're not there yet, uh, I think that's pretty scary for your competitors to to not think you're already there. So you can't know, you know, you can't know every situation. So that's basically right. you know what I mean. Over time, you just you build the pieces, you know, and you just have to figure out where to put them. So we're still you still learn every week or every time you go. It's just more of an experience and age thing at this point. Yeah, yeah. It's it's um you know it's funny to think you're kind of seasoned already at this point in your modified career. How many, you've been doing this for what, six years now? 2016, I believe was the first year. Yeah. So this will be so. the sixth or seventh year. That's crazy to, to think you have all the years under your belt already. And, you know, I've managed to rack up as many wins as you have. Yeah. I'm fortunate to have good sponsors and, and good equipment and, surround yourself with some good people you know i have a, a decent amount of equipment that allows us to do what we can do so definitely you know helps yeah um one thing i've noticed you know going to grandview almost every week now and actually getting to to watch different things and not have to concern myself with working is you seem to figure out how to run that top at grandview especially during the heat races um it's pretty much go 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 right out of the gate how tricky is it to to try and run the top there, especially in the heat races with how heavy it is? For me, I mean, it's a lot of experience and, you know, I enjoy the momentum part of it. So a lot of people ask me how I do it and I don't really have an explanation. It's just kind of where I it fits my style and, you know, I can kind of roll the top and keep the momentum up and and get some bite up there. A lot of people go up and say they can't can't quite get the same result but i can't explain why it's just kind of kind of how how i run the track or you know how i attack the corners it seems to fit what i'm accustomed to and it could be more like i started my career at bridgeport so that was all momentum so i just kind of keep my momentum up and it makes a difference center off yeah yeah i mean it's um I think at one point Saturday night, you managed to get two guys at once and three and four um, without missing a beat, too, <laughs> um, which is kind of crazy to watch because, you know, a lot of guys that are ripping around the top like that, usually they're a little out of shape coming out of four and you hit that thing like it was meant to be, um, you know, but to your point, your experience from Bridgeport. So, like, we've been watching Storms now the last couple of weeks never really ran Granby, I don't think at all, except for when he ran Cody's car the other week, but it's different. It's, um, you know, talking to people that have never ran there or only have minimal laps. It's a completely different animal learning how to, to drive Saturday nights there. Yeah, no, it's, uh, it's for, for sure. One of the hardest places. I mean, Fred Hearn always wanted to win a sixer. He never achieved it. I mean, it's, definitely is one of the hardest places to race on a Saturday night. A lot of good competition and just the track itself is uh, definitely grueling or, you know, tests everything you have ability-wise. And how how is it on a, a Saturday night like it was this past week where there are unfortunate cautions or reds? I mean, it was a long night for both divisions. Does that wear on you when you're sitting in the car trying to you know, get this feature over with? Um, sometimes, I mean, depending when it's hot like that, it, it, 
you're sitting there sweating, no air moving around, but fortunately enough, it doesn't seem to take too much of a toll. It gives you a little bit of time to, to sit there and study the track or process, you know, which could also be bad to be overthink yourself at that point too. Sometimes when you're, you're racing, you don't even think about what you're going to do. It just happens. So for me, I mean, it, it didn't affect me too much. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, when you say about starting the track, I know we talked briefly after your, um, your thunder on the hill win the other week with the four tens and, you know, you guys are in staging and they're coming out to do track prep. What goes through your head at that point? not knowing that that's what's going to happen and you're already in staging. Yeah, that was, uh, fortunately enough, my crew chief talked me out of making any adjustments like I wanted to. And it was actually the right call because I didn't expect they were going to do quite as much as they did. So if, if he doesn't talk me out of it and we make changes, I mean, that's when you're really sweating bullets, but I actually felt pretty confident then I was glad they did what they did. Yeah, it definitely played in your favor. Um, I think your starting spot may have helped a little bit too, but uh, yeah. It doesn't hurt, that's for sure. No, no, and it, you know, I look at it every week when we see the starting grid come out. You know, your usual suspects, including yourself, are usually in that 12 to 16 range, and it's a matter of who gets to the front first kind of thing. Um, not always, but... Sometimes that is how it plays out. Does that go through your mind too? Just not necessarily getting to the front, but making sure you keep the other guys behind you. Yeah. I mean, I think we all are under the same understanding If a certain person or driver gets out front. It's probably over as far as winning, you know, you're racing for whatever's behind them at that point, you know? So, I mean, it definitely is. You kind of know what's around or where you're, your competitors are at and if they get by you know well i either have to pull something out of the hat or you know a caution could change things but it's uh as soon as you drop the green it's kind of a race to to slice through traffic the fastest without bending the car and, and crippling yourself yeah yeah because uh you definitely gotta be up in the wheel and get a little aggressive too right yeah it's like you said the three wide deal if, if you can do it you might as well get two at one shot if you can and and try and progress yep yep so do you think the sixer this year is within reach with how well things have been going i think so i mean i never really talk about it too much or or think about it but we're definitely to the point where at some point something should fall into our hands i haven't picked better than 20th i believe in the however many tries I've I've done it. So at some point we have to get a top 10 starting spot, I hope. <laughs> there was some unfortunate, like I got in a wreck last year and a couple years ago I, I started in the 20s, but I didn't pace myself when we burned our, our rubber off and with 15 to go, we were just, you know, no good really. So if yeah. you can get a semi-decent spot and conserve your equipment a little bit, I think we definitely, it's within reach. Yeah, that top 24 redraw is, it's got to be the trickiest thing I've seen in racing every year. Right. It's just, I mean, you can barely make it through your heat and start on the pole. It's just, you know, it, it's how it goes. And there's definitely enough laps in there to do it. You know, guys have won it from really deep. And, um, but yeah, I think, you know, like we've been talking, you know, with your experience now and, 
winning on different types of conditions and different situations and scenarios. Um, I think you're right. I think you're at the point now where something's got to fall in your, in your lap the right way. Right. Yeah, exactly. Like I say, I wouldn't, we had a couple of years where we got in some, some crashes that weren't really our fault. You know, the one year I burned the tire off and just seems like to this point, nothing really, nothing really played into our hands yet. At some point enough tries it, it has to at some point. Yeah. Yep. Um, so let's, dive into a little bit of you know your start in racing i know your dad of course was uh an accomplished racer and himself when did you first hop into a race car of any sort was it quarter midgets no uh sportsman actually at bridgeport really yeah no shit. when i was 16 yeah that's when it all all began so i would have thought especially with your dad's background that you would have been in quarter midgets you know like some of these kids are now they're still in diapers and they're in quarter midgets no shit, only 16. Wow. And um, what made you go to Bridgeport? That's where my dad was racing on Saturday night, so it was just kind of convenient. Okay, okay, so he was still racing at that point. Gotcha. Yeah, so how was it? I mean, hopping in a big car, of course, you know, you're not getting the necessary start that a lot of other guys do. Um, how right. was it, you know, getting into a car and now you're running on a 5 eights? wasn't too bad i mean when being the sportsman that it wasn't quite like a modified but took a little bit of time but we we got it figured out there towards the end before we made the switch to grandview he just thought it would be a better spot for me to learn the cars and, and car control before i went to the tighter tracks yeah i i wouldn't disagree with that i think that's why places like orange county see a big car count too just because it's a little bit more open, you know, you're not in such tight quarters, uh, beating and banging your way through the field. You can actually learn how to drive the thing. I, I think that's that's a true statement. And then also he said he never, never really into the quarter minute thing, partially because he did some racing and he thought too also, you know, it could create some bad habits as well, you know. So if you're fresh into this and if I want to do it when I'm old enough, he thought I'd be fine and figure it out. Yeah. It's like I asked Logan Watt, I said, because, you know, kid ran quarter minutes for many years. I said, how many times did it take you to not try and stick your head out the car when you're in your sportsman? And he, and he said, you'd be, you'd be surprised. He still does it every now and then. He tries to lean his head out the left side of the car. <laughs> right. Yeah. Like, like, there you go. Kind of. He's like, it doesn't, you're fresh. You, you know, everything you learn here is, is going to apply. So, you know, bring over any bad habits from from any other kind of car yeah yeah i mean and from what i've seen quarter midgets are a completely different beast like you know there's it's a lot of just stomp and steer to the left kind of thing so it's not anything near what you guys are doing now on a weekly basis that's for damn sure right um so you eventually did make the switch to grandview and then of course you were track champion right yeah, in 2015, we won the Sportsman Championship. So then at that point, the next year, we decided to, to do the modified deal. It was kind of something I wanted to accomplish. Mm-hmm. And what, what biggest changes did you notice when you made the switch? Um, being able to maneuver the car a little more, the power. Um, the Sportsman cars were always a little more snug with the sail panels and the less power. 
So you definitely had to uh, keep your car under you a little bit more. And a lot did apply, but there's a couple things that were different. And the level was way different. And just how you had to attack the races. Right. Right. Yeah, it's uh, definitely a different beast. That's for sure. Especially when it comes to horsepower. Right. Um, I did want to ask you, though, I know you did run with Norm for a year, right? Right. How, um, you know, anyone that knows Norm knows there is only one. There's only one Norm. There will only ever be one Norm. <laughs> Definitely, uh, they broke that mold a long time ago. How was it, you know, someone your age at the time, still kind of fresh into the modified game, how was it running for Norm and, and uh, I assume working with Jay as well, right? Yeah, I mean, he's different. I My dad's a different kind of guy as well, so they had some similar characteristics as far as mental thoughts and, and attitudes and whatnot, so I kind of knew how to handle him. He didn't really bother me. We got along pretty well. The only Jay was nice. He was a good guy. He helped me out a lot. The only thing I could say is maybe Norm bailed on me a little too soon, you know? Yeah. But, I won't. I won't. I won't agree and I won't disagree because, um, you know, him and Glenn, you know, they've been at this thing a long time as car owners. And if there's two rides in the game that play hot potato the most, it's those. So um, I wouldn't take it personally. I hope you didn't. No, not at all. Like like I said, it's we're still talk to this day and we're we're friends. So. But yeah, Norm can scare the shit out of people. Um, <laughs> if you don't, if you don't know how to take him, he can literally scare the daylights out of you. <laughs> yeah. So, like I said, we never really uh, butted heads, or I never took him the wrong way. I kind of knew how to how to deal with him. So, like I said, we're still friends to this day. Yeah, and that's always a positive. Definitely someone to keep on your good side. I would think too. Yeah, you never know what could transpire down the road if you know. You never know a traveling deal or something. I, I mean, I I look at Strunk as the prime example of that, right? So, you know, he kept his relationship good with Glenn after their departure um, the other year, and now he has you know opportunities to run that car again. So, bridges not being burnt is probably the best thing I've heard advice wise in in the racing industry. Yeah, yeah, you definitely you can progress burning bridges. That's for sure. Mm-mm. So, um, do you have any aspirations to try and run any other type of car? I know we see a lot of guys that are venturing out, hopping into different different rides here and there. Do you? Does that ever cross your mind to try something else? Not necessarily. I'm pretty content with you know what I do and and where I'm at with everything. My work schedule and, and certain things don't really allow for much more. That's kind of why this traveling deal shut off and we don't do too many midweek shows. Yeah, I noticed that over the years. I know you were making a lot of trips to like New Egypt and Bridgeport and uh, it kind of abruptly stopped. I mean, of course, I think anyone would understand work schedules always like to get in the way of, of you know, play. But um no, I think honestly, to be honest, I mean, I think maybe that might have been a blessing in disguise, allowed you to really just zone in your craft on a Friday and Saturday, too. Yeah, exactly. I mean, we found our, our mold, kind of, and that's kind of where we settled in, and I'm kind of happy it did fall that way. 
Yeah, and now we're, what, about halfway through the season, and you're sitting really, really well, both tracks and, of course, the tri-track. I mean, how cool would that be to to be able to possibly sneak all of those out at the end of it? I mean, that would be cool as, you know, words don't really describe how neat that would be, but my goal was to, you know, be successful around home, so, I mean, it would just be really cool you know you're local and everybody knows you locally so that's why too i cut off the traveling you know your sponsors all local and and people who who support you Mm -hmm. yep and uh of course you know the family business has been huge and and your support through the years too um does mom and dad get in your case a lot when things don't go right um mom more than dad really Uh, Which isn't a bad thing, you know, it's all constructive criticism, so I'm grateful that I have them to, to guide me in the right direction, for sure. Yeah, it's fun listening to some, especially the mothers who don't have the seat time that a lot of the dads or uncles do, you know what I mean? It's fun uh, just listening to their perspective on things, because it's not necessarily, uh, the vocabulary is not correct, or... They don't understand a lot of the things, but at the same time, they could be pitching in something that no one's thinking of. So it's it's kind of neat to hear those perspectives, too. Yeah, yeah, I don't disagree at all. Like As far as the driving part, she doesn't critique me, really. She trusts me on that. It's more just the, you know, the other parts that go into it. And the, she likes to handle the apparel and, and different things, so... Everybody has their their place in the deal, and it, it all works out. Yeah, yeah. I've noticed your uh, your team has gotten a little bit bigger over the years too. How um how good is it to have a core group of guys that are consistently helping you week in and week out? It makes a difference for sure, and kind of like you said, is people see things different. So when you have all all the eyes looking, you can take some feedback and let some go in one ear and out the other and and some of the stuff that that clicks you can apply yeah yeah it's it's hard man i'm hearing more and more from a lot of guys that they can't get help um you know guys just don't want to drive to go work on a race car middle of the week or they're busy with their lives and weekends are tough because you know most of these guys aren't getting paid to do what they're you know to help and it's always good when you see a core group of people that are constantly, you know, with a team every week and you guys are getting the support you guys need to be successful on the track, which it all comes full circle. You're putting butts in grandstands, that's keeping tracks open and, you know, it's a big revolving door. So, no, it's it's good to see that um, quite a few teams are, are able to keep guys around and keep them coming back to the, you know, the shop and the track. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's uh, it's tough anymore, and, and it seems like it's less people my age that it's all, I have a lot older of a crew, but I, I gained a, a few more my age. No, you're, it, you're absolutely right. I, I said it in regards to people that are working at the track, too. It's a lot of older people. It's uh, a lot of tenured people, and, you know, hopefully we have younger generations, you know, like yourself or even, you know, these really younger guys that are coming up now through that 
you know, there's people out there that want to work on a car and not necessarily be a driver or who want to work at a track and not be a driver. So, you know, hopefully that does um, come around and we keep this thing rolling for the rest of our generations, at least. Right. Yeah, you can only hope and, and keep the younger kids into it. Um, one last thing I wanted to bring up before we get into our our green white checkered segment is I know we had talked a little bit about the race on Friday night and you said that your power steering went. Um, how difficult is that for anyone that doesn't know? How much more difficult does that make your job for the rest of the feature when your power steering goes? It pretty much ruins the whole, you know, the whole entry of the corner because you're not really sure what the car, you can't turn it in. And when it does rotate, it snaps all the way to the the right and you're just really fighting it. I, I looked at my lap times and when I totally blew it, I was two seconds slower. And, you know, when I kind of hit it, I was a second slower. So it definitely uh, is a struggle. Yeah, that, um, but I was surprised to hear that considering where you did end up finishing, I would think someone's power steering goes, they're going to drop like a rock or even pull off the track. Um, did that ever cross your mind to even pull off or were you just going to fight it the rest of the way? I was tempted, you know, after the two laps, I was like, I don't, the scoreboard wasn't working. I didn't have any sort of judge on how much longer I had to do it. But <laughs> at that point I, I was thinking kind of big picture with the tri track and, and the way things are going, I just had to put you know, 110% effort in and, and just try and get what I could. Yeah. And that's, you know, for guys turning what 16, 17 second laps and you're thinking big picture, try track and to be able to run that through your head in the middle of a feature that is impressive. Um, cause as you and I both know, there are guys out there who don't think at all when they're on the track. And to be able to 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 think big picture on top of what you're doing every lap is is very impressive. Yeah, no, it's a like I say, it's more of an experience and age thing, you know. At at this point, you do whatever it takes to try and finish. And it was maybe more Grandview trained me that way, you know, to run for the points that you can't afford to to drop out or or lose at night. So it kind of applied on Friday night as well. True, true. That's that's a good perspective too. Um, do you have now? You know, you bring up the the maturity aspect of it, which you know, like we said, you have uh, quite a few years now under your belt and modified. Do you have people approaching you for advice? Some of the new guys. Yeah, I do have a a few a few guys approaching me, but I'll try and help where I can and and give my my advice. And how cool is that for someone at your age to now be looked up to or? You know, someone's picking your brain for advice and, you know, you're not one of the guys who's been there for 30, 40 years. Right. Yeah. And it is, I'd say most of them are actually older than me, but it's, it's kind of funny and, and rewarding too. You know, it's, we're fortunate enough to, to run good and consistent. It's a neat deal that people can, you know, come over and ask, and I don't bite, you know, some people don't really <laughs> want me. So most of the time after they come over, they're like, oh, wow. He's nicer than I thought, you know, you know, it's it's funny because, you know, I, I travel all over the place, different tracks and, you know, I'm in the pits, I'm in the grandstands, I hear everything right. It, and it's just I like sitting there and just listening to people. It's hilarious. It really is. Um, 
people I don't know. I just love listening to their opinions and their thoughts or, you know, my wife says the same thing and we hear the same thing all the time that people think that you're going to bite. They Like to that point, you know, you and Craig, they think that can't approach you like you're angry. You're, you know, like a villain almost. And right. we're just sitting there going, are you kidding me? Like you obviously have never tried to talk to these guys. Cause I, I might've came across one guy that I might not try to talk to a whole lot out of everyone I've met and you're definitely not in that category. So I, I wish people would, you know, at least go in and, you know, at least say hi to you or something or wait till you're in victory lane or something and not, you know, a night that something bad happened, you know? Yeah. Even, even if something bad happens, we're normally still there and, you know, you put it behind you, but. Yeah. It's, uh, it's funny. It's funny getting that perspective and just, Hearing, hearing all these different opinions and thoughts on things, it's, it's, uh, but it's, you know, it's a fan base and I'm sure you can go to a, a football game and you can hear a bunch of idiots thinking basically the same way about the opposing team. So, you know, it goes round and round, but yeah, um, I encourage people to go, you know, if you have a bad vibe about someone, go talk to them. I'm sure they change your mind just having a conversation. For sure. I agree. It's time for Green White Checkered on the Four Wide Salute. All right. Your green flag question is, who is one driver you looked forward to picking their brain once you stepped into a modified? Someone you wanted to be able to go up and, you know, kind of BS with a little bit. Um, let's see. That is a tough one. I would say it was back in the, the norm days, actually. That was why I enjoyed running for him because there was Dwayne and Shepard running for him at the time. So I'd say you had Shepard who did a lot of traveling and, and Dwayne who's accomplished. So it was kind of neat to, to just be around him a little bit and, and pick up on some certain things. Cool. Cool. Like the answer. I've heard a lot of, uh, a lot of the younger guys, uh, Dwayne's pretty involved, believe it or not. Um, you know, he can be really quiet too. But um I heard a lot of the, you know, the younger sportsman guys or they um Dwayne's really involved and he approaches them, asks them how they're doing and stuff. So yeah, it's uh it's neat to see these guys passing off their their knowledge on to the you know, the new guys. I would say now we're at the point where they don't really say too much because well, of course not. <laughs> We're not on on that list anymore, really. No, it's trade secrets now. No. Right. <laughs> uh, on to your white flag question. Besides a night in the shop, what does an off night of racing usually look like for you? Realistically, it's normally just grab a bite to eat a food and, and relax a little bit because we're on the go all day. You know, it's working 12 plus hours a day. So grab some dinner and, and just relax and get ready to do it all over again tomorrow. Now, are you one that will put on flow or dirt vision and check out other, you know, other divisions or other tracks, or do you kind of keep yourself away from, from that on your off nights? No, I, I do bring up flow and then search around and see what's going on or, or chat with some of my racing buddies. And, you know, we all remind each other what's on and, and what's going on on the racing on end. So what do you what do you like to watch besides modifieds? Are you a late model guy, sprint car guy? 
I like the late model deal for sure. They're they're pretty neat because some of the the stuff can apply with the new suspension. So, yeah, um, I gotta tell you, man, I only knew late models at Grandview for the longest time. I thought Chuck Schutz was like better than Scott Bloomquist because I didn't know any better. Right. And then I went to Florida in 2018, and I went to um, East Bay. And I saw Shepard beat Moran blowing the top by a nose. And I was like, holy shit, what are these things? Like, these aren't in Grandview. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, those things are insane. Um, yeah, and now I can't get enough of late models. I tell you, man, if I lived down south or in the Midwest, and I would probably forget what a Northeast Dirt Modified looked like, because I'd be hooked. Um, yeah, no, I'm on the same boat with you on that one. So, yeah, they're a, that's definitely a go-to for sure, and they pay some crazy money. It's just neat to see the, the turnouts and, and what's going on. Oh, yeah. I mean, Lucas Oil in themselves, there's 11 races that pay 50 grand or more. That's, that's insane. Right. And now and they're on flow, so no more Mav TV Plus subscriptions we have to worry about, right? For sure. All right, man, on to your checkered flag question. If you could lend advice to yourself... When you first got into your modified, what would you tell your younger self now? Lift. <laughs> There's a lot of instances where, you know, I got bent early just because I didn't give it a second or another lap. And it definitely, you know, you have to live to fight another battle. So if you don't get through that one, you'll never get to the next. <laughs> I love it. Simple lift. I love it. Right. One word. That's that's it. Oh, man. That's funny. That's funny. Well, um, yeah, wish you the best of luck tomorrow. And of course, the upcoming weekend and the rest of the season, I definitely will see you in the next uh, couple of days and um, get some rest and go let him have it tomorrow night, man. All right. Sounds good. I appreciate it. 